Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. As we're wrapping up the year, I hope that you've had the opportunity to listen to each of the episodes that have been released. This is our 26th episode that we've done this year, and I know that so many of you have enjoyed them. You've shared with us how you've grown through them, and it's just a blessing for us to hear from you how these episodes are impacting your life. We looked back through the archives and we wanted to share with you one of our top episodes from this year, and we're going to replay it today. I know that it was popular when we played it and it really spoke to you, and I am sure that it'll do it again. If you've already heard this once, I'm just going to challenge you to listen to it again so you can really focus on it. I'm sure that God will use it to show you something new that he wants to speak to you at this time in your life when you listen to it. My mom and I had the opportunity to sit down with two of our friends, Jim and David, and they're both men who have stood for restoration in their marriage. I don't want to give away the whole story in case you haven't heard it yet, but one of them has had their marriage restored so far, and God has really done a miracle in his family. I know that men that are listening are going to enjoy this podcast because you can identify with the journey that these two men have been on. And women that are listening, I know that it's also going to minister to you because it's going to show you the faith and the strength that these men have had as they've gone through the ups and downs in the years that they've been waiting for their wives to come home. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and that it's a blessing to you. Um, We will begin again in January as soon as in two more weeks, we have a new episode coming out. So stay tuned. If you have suggestions for um, episodes you would like to hear or things that you would like to hear covered on the Fight for Your Marriage podcast, reach out to us through our website and let us know. And as always, please take time to leave a review for the podcast. That's how other people can see us and hear about the possibility that there is hope for their hurting marriage. Enjoy this replay. Well, welcome to the Fight for Your Marriage podcast. And we're excited tonight to have a treat for you. We are talking with David and Jim. And they are two men who have wonderful testimonies of what God's done in their life through their stand, but also um, through restoration, as David has recently had a restored marriage in the past few months. Today, we're going to let you hear from both of them and hear what God has done in their life through this, um, through the good days and the hard days. And so I know that this will be a blessing for you as you listen to them. Jim, tell us a little bit about your early days of marriage and when you first started realizing there was problems in your home and what led to to your marriage problems. Yeah, um, well, and I'll keep this brief, I promise. Um, (laughs) um, But for me, it was sort of love at first sight. I was in a very serious relationship. I thought at the time it was going to be my bride-to-be um, but as God would have it, you know, uh, he has a way of working things out. My wife's sister is married to my brother. So we married into the same family, um, was not planned by far. You know, uh, we were actually, my wife and I were in their wedding and that's how we got to meet. And so, uh, 
years later, we dated off and on. Um, it was kind of rocky. I was uh, going through some pretty dramatic unpacking of the baggage that I dealt with as a kid. And she came from a very stable home. So she ended up seeing uh, quite a bit of my, you know, crazy madness um, during that process of dating off and on for about eight years. Um, uh, but, uh, and I need to back up a little bit. My, um, my religious background, and I just did quotes because <laughs> it was definitely religion over relationship for me, uh, was Catholic. And uh, born and raised into a Catholic family, went to church every Sunday, um, didn't really get a lot out of, um, you know, hearing the priest, um, but knew that there were rules, you know, and my wife and I had a sexual relationship and we ended up getting pregnant. And so that, um, I was very much in love with this woman, but was really dealing with an awful lot of my own baggage. And uh, at that time, basically told, you know, her that she was on her own with that pregnancy. And that was the first time I think God ever really gripped me personally. And I, the very next day, my, I'll never forget it. My mother called and said, you know, what's going on? How are you doing? And I just lost it. I broke down with my mom for like the very first time ever being very raw, very open and honest with her. And I really feel like it was a God moment. And she said, you know, maybe you need to talk to somebody like therapist. And so I did, I checked in to, I called all around and there was only one person available and it was a female. And, um, she ended up bringing out a lot of my own you know, uh, stuff in the process of trying to figure out how my wife and I could actually work this out. Um, we were married a year and three months after our daughter was born. Mm. And so we didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to marry my wife based on the fact that we were having a child. I wanted it to be authentic and I wanted it to be real. Um, so there was a lot of turmoil that started right away with us. Um, and that kind of, and I know now looking back, I never knew the word. I never knew that the battle was not among flesh and blood and that it was the enemy was there the whole time. And, you know, the, the battle is really in principalities and higher places. And, and so knowing that now I look back and I see where the enemy was just captivated, you know, by our set of circumstances and how I just let him in um, way early on with, um, you know, being you know, sexually immoral, you know, right from the very beginning. And so the turmoil just started and just kind of continued in and I could never really get a grip on anything. And in 2003, I actually went to a conference um, and heard a guy that was in my line of work. I'm in the real estate development business. And he said, you know, Jesus came, he gave a super simple gospel. Jesus came to forgive our sins, past, present and future so that we could be reconciled back to God. And if you have never done that before, you should really consider that. And I was like, wait a minute, I've never heard this before. That Jesus died on the cross and was risen from the dead to forgive me of my sinful patterns and my sinful lifestyle. And, and so in 2003, I actually gave my life to the Lord at that time and bought, went out and bought my first Bible, which, by the way, I have it right here, and, uh, and really started reading for the first time for life application. 
I didn't get wrapped around a community of solid believers who were born again. And, um, and so I, I really got, kind of just spun back into my old behavior, my old patterns. And my, my wife, God love her, um, was very patient throughout, throughout all that process. But I was a very, you know, um, angry person on the inside from basically stemming from my childhood. Did your wife have a personal relationship with Jesus? She, you know, it's funny. uh, She grew up in a Catholic home as well, but her parents were both saved uh, outside of the Catholic faith and very solid believers. They would go to Israel. I would drop them off at the airport every year so they could go over to Israel once a year. Mm -hmm. And I always just kind of assumed that her relationship was there and solid. Um, and I, and I, you know, I'm not one to judge, but looking at the fruit, you know, which I do now, um, I can, I can see that she is not born again. Um, but you know, there was, we, we knew God, we knew who Jesus was. Um, but to be born again is a way different level. And if I, I might be, I might be speaking to somebody here, you know, that's listening to this podcast that doesn't understand this vernacular or what that really means. And, uh, hopefully we can touch on that a little bit deeper, but, uh, you know, now that I know what I know, I look back and I just go, man, oh man, the enemy was present and the battle was, you know, we have, uh, to me, I, I really truly believe we have three battles in life. We have our, the world pressing in on us from all sides. We have our own mind that we are constantly in battle with, you know, to whether or not we're good enough and all the things that we fight, you know, mentally. And then, of course, there's the enemy and his legion of angels that fell with him that are present, you know. And so the battle's real. And, um, you know, it uh, it spun out of control in 2012. My wife, or actually in 2011, right around Thanksgiving, she we had bought our dream home here in North Carolina. Um, I went way out on a limb to make sure that took place. And we were at a friend's house one night and she said, and the friend asked her about the new house. And she said, it'll, it'll never be home. It'll never feel like home. So I was like shocked at what was being said in front of me. And she announced that. And I, and I lost it on her that following week, she had been flying out um, every Monday and coming back every Thursday on a remote uh, location for her work. And, uh, that following week, she told me that she was done, that she was leaving. We had been married 22 years at that point. Um, and still being very selfish, I said, wait a minute, you know, I have abandonment issues. You know, it's like still looking at myself versus what is this poor woman going through, you know? And uh, and that's when God finally said, okay, I'm taking it all away. I'm taking your idol away from you, which is your wife. I'm taking all the things that you you know, looked at and pointed to, to, to idolize instead of seeking me. And I'm going to remove all that. And, um, and that's exactly what he did. She walked out and never looked back. And there's been very little communication. Um, and that was in 2012, January, 2012. And, uh, so if you can do the math, I'm in my ninth year. (laughs) And, uh, so yeah, that's kind of where I am. And there's a lot more there, but, um, it's funny. The other day I heard somebody say this and, and I'm going to repeat it and I can't give credit to the person, but it's not mine. But it said he said that God will allow what he hates most to accomplish what he 
uh, that which he loves most. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever heard that before, yeah. but that is truly what's taken place in my life. Um, yeah. So in 2012, I opened up scripture for the very first time for full life application because I knew in my soul and in my heart that what was happening was drastically wrong and it shouldn't be taking place. And then I just, I was in a hotel room for 10 days with just him, my dog and me and, uh, and just abandoned my life and surrendered my life to him and just said, do with me what you will. And I will not turn back from, from the direction I'm heading. I can't go back to who I was. That's just not optional. Jim, that reminds me of what we say to every person and usually happens to every person yeah. is I surrender all. Nice. Help me. You cry out, Jesus, God, help me. Because you get to that point that there is nothing else. There's no one that can help us but God. That's and true. his son and the Holy Spirit. But we've got to first cry out to God and, and we've got to accept Jesus mm. as our Lord and Savior. He wants us to know and have that personal relationship with mm. Jesus. And I think that our ministry has has brought so many people to the knowledge of showing when, who they're missing in their heart, in their life, <laughs> and their hearts and lives are transformed by just reading the daily devotionals. And realizing they have not put God in the midst of all of it and having Jesus be Lord of their life and savior so of their true. life. So, so true. I got to tell you, Charlene, <clears throat> when I was in that hotel room, I had scheduled a Wednesday appointment with a, 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 a counselor. It was, it was actually a, a Christian counselor. And I went to that appointment that morning and he said, well, it sounds like your wife is moving on and maybe you need to, too. And I heard those words from him mm. and I was like, show me. I grabbed my Bible and I threw it at him. I said, show me. Where does God say what you're telling me? And he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. sorry, Jim, I might have upset you. What did I say? And I said, you said that I need to move on. And I called a friend. Of, I left that appointment. I called a friend of mine and I said, listen, you talked to me a little while ago about standing for your marriage. What does that look mm. like? He Amen. sent me, get this now, he sent me the standards affirmation via email <laughs> that same day. Isn't that amazing? Wednesday night. That was so good. That night, I called that Christian counselor and I said, I need to see you first thing in the morning. I don't care what time, I just need to see you. I printed off at the hotel uh, front desk the standards affirmation and I brought that into him and he said, there's nothing that I can say here that that goes against scripture in any way. And he said... You've just changed how I need to operate, you know, and, and yeah. it, it did. It changed our relationship, mm -hmm. changed his life. And yeah. I think he approached marriage separation very differently from that point on. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It was incredible. Incredible. It was all God. There's all the spirit mm -hmm. working in my life so quickly. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, I couldn't believe what was happening. David, tell us a little bit about your early days and, and the problems that started in your family. Sure. Uh, so, well, I guess um, just like Jim, a lot of uh, baggage starts in childhood. And so um, I think I, you know, I, I, I'd always had sort of an issue with control of some sort. Uh, there's, you know, childhood reasons, you know, why I guess I developed that, you know had a handicapped brother and 
So there was sort of a sense of, you know, things could be out of control um, with his handicap kind of going, you know, sideways at any point in time. And so, um, so, you know, I developed my coping mechanisms, but, but that may have helped me seemingly get through some stuff when I was a kid, but then quickly kind of turns into a, uh, a problematic, I need to control my world sort of situation. Um, and I was, I mean, like many of us, I was probably pretty good at controlling my world and, and, uh, look like, uh, I guess when you're fairly good at it, it looks like you really got your act together and, and, uh, can really handle, um, a lot. And, and, uh, so, so at the time I met Laura and I, I should say, I'd probably attribute my, uh, giving my life to Christ when I was maybe 12 ish. Um, I, I'm not the sort of person that can give you, you know, I gave my life to Christ on October 1st, 19 was sort of thing. <laughs> Cause um, I, the church I went to coming away from that as, as a, a grade school aged kid um, thinking that I could easily lose my salvation and, and had to sort of, so I get, so my story was more one of, you know, I gave my life to Christ probably a good few dozen times. Yeah. And so I, I don't really know when, it, <laughs> but yeah. that was kind of all that, that, that point in time there. And so I definitely came out of that with a, a rules orientation um, mm-hmm. look at church. And, um, you know, God forbid you'd be at a movie theater when the second coming of Christ <laughs> happened. You know, um, there's no getting out of that. So, so that was my, uh, my background a bit. Um, I, I was, I'd say I was, you know, a born again Christian, but I didn't really, um, uh, see see living my life prim- more primarily for God until I got to college. And I'd, I'd say even then, um, it was really more um, graduate school, college years for me. Uh, so it was in graduate school when I was at the uh, University of Arizona when I met Laura. So she was a, a, a student uh, at, at Arizona also, but we actually met in a, in a, church in Tucson. Uh, it was a, it was a college group we met at, um, at the time she was actually with a different guy. Uh, but I remembered, you know, seeing the, you know, the new couple, the new little French couple, um, Laura's French and, um, and her boyfriend at the time was French. And so that stood out of course, and, and she was real cute and all that sort of stuff. And so, um, so, so she was going through her own, uh, transformation i guess at that point in time because she had grown up in the catholic church as well in france and and she was just being sort of discipled by the pastor's wife at that church in tucson at the time i met her and i didn't know all of this but um so then that so she slowly you know then pulled away from the relationship she was in at the time um and uh we started dating and uh she had a childhood also, so she had baggage also, um, but um, some family stuff that, um, you know, would lead to how she viewed relationships and, and uh, you know, what a good marriage would be versus, uh, I don't think she would say she had a, a good marriage pattern in her household. Um, but so we, um, we were in our 20s at that point, uh, and uh, 
we dated for maybe just a little over a year of, and then we're married in 1996. And I'd say things, um, we, we have two kids now and we waited, I think five years before we started having kids. Um, at the point in time when I realized things were something was wrong, uh, I mean, I think there was always the occasional instance where I realized I would, I would be critical of Laura or try to manage, you know, things the way I wanted to kind of make my world, you know, exactly how I saw fit and all that sort of stuff. And it was getting on Laura and, and, I mean, I can say at the time, I didn't really know how deeply it was hitting her. Um, but I would come to realize that, you know, uh, later than I wanted. Um, I honestly can say I didn't realize that she was thinking of leaving until she told me one day. Um, it's about eight years after eight years of marriage um, that she wanted some space, I think is how she phrased it. And so that, I mean, it sounds sort of naive to say I didn't see it coming, but but I really didn't see it coming. Whatever probably in it says more about me than anything. But um, yeah, I, I didn't see it coming, um, and I realized how you know much sort of my patterns had been um, really hurting her and putting her down in different ways. Um, so North Carolina um, is one of these states where you have to have a, a year of separation, I think, before you can officially divorce. Um, so so we separated. So I, I moved out of the house, and, and uh, a few months of that went by. I think fairly early on, I was pretty distraught, didn't know where to turn. So, you know, saw my, the world I was pretty good at controlling crumbling all around me. And, um, and I honestly think it was an, uh, just an internet search that led me to rejoice marriage ministries and, uh, sort of looking for answers that way. And, uh, and the message really resonated with it. Um, you know, I don't know if initially the message might've even resonated because, I saw, I'm mean, in a weird way, I, I might say I saw it as a way I could try to control this mm -hmm. situation of my marriage falling apart. Ah, you know, here's a, you know, something I can stand for and, you know, and, you know, these prayers might be effective. And so, you know, not exactly the, the most, uh, uh, I don't know, honorable way to view it necessarily at first, but, uh, but that's where I was. And, uh, and so, so I would follow the, the devotionals and and uh, enjoyed uh, and and was learning from the scriptures and uh, was really digging into what um, I you know trying to learn about God's plan for marriage and and, um, and what that meant for a marriage that was falling apart. Um, so so I was out of the house for a few months and then sort of abruptly Laura's mother passed away. Um, maybe only maybe. I don't know, five or six months after we'd been separated. And so her mother's it was in France. And so she she asked if I would want to go, you know, with her and the kids um, 
for the funeral stuff. And so I did. And, and we sort of reconnected and, and, uh, you know, during that time. And, and so we talked about it. And, and when I came, when we came back from that, um, she was okay having me come back in the house and kind of keep working. So, so at that point in time, I actually thought that I had one of these fairly short stands and I was okay with that at that point in time, all things considered. Right. And, you know, a few months went by and, um, happened again, you know, where sort of had the, uh, I need some space. Uh, uh, again, I was a little bit sort of not sure where that came from. Um, I, you know, I think, um, this was just something that the Lord had for me, um, probably for Laura too in different ways. But, um, but she, you know, she asked me to move out again. And at that point she was pretty determined to make sure, you know, she logged the one year time me out of the house. And, um, and so, so at the time we were divorced, we'd probably been married about 10 or 11 years so the the years you know as maybe jim can appreciate too the stand of many years that you know there's darker times and and brighter times and and uh i won't say that it, you know the 10 or 11 years we were divorced you know was all terrible but uh, some of it was was pretty excruciating for me and uh and mostly early on and then you know she slowly over the years you know was warming up to me a little bit more but then still still feel fearful and all of that and so um so you know the last few years have been relatively good but then still kind of apprehensive as far as what happens with sort of uh final um marriage restoration um but um yeah th thanks be to god you know she she uh, proposed to me uh, over Christmas time. Um, I, yeah, I think I maybe jokingly told her that, uh, you know, and honestly, this is partly my control, you know, issues because, you know, we had talked about it a little bit before and, you know, I knew coming from me and given some of the issues I had had and how that had affected her, I almost felt like I couldn't be the one asking her to marry me again because it would, it always felt a little bit like she, I was pressuring her or she would yeah. feel like I was pressuring her. So it was sort of jokingly that we had talked previously where, you know, if this is to, to happen again and we sensed that maybe, you know, we were, she was warming up to it. Uh, and um, I, I told her she would, she would have to be the one that, gets down on one knee and uh, but she, she did not get down on one knee, but, uh, <laughs> I'll take it as it was. So, uh, so we, and, and we just, yeah, we just were remarried, um, in the end at the end of January, January 29th. And, uh, we were just going to go to the courthouse also. And then, you know, it worked out that we ended up having our pastor do it, uh, with, you know, uh, a handful of a few friends, um, so that worked out even better. So, so yeah, it was, um, it was David, a great day. It was a blessed David, day. David, when you sent me that email, you thrilled my heart and telling you, telling us what happened was glorious and to have a few friends there was absolutely perfect. Yeah. And, uh, letting her be able to say it to you took willpower for you, not 
also get rejected again, you mm -hmm. know, uh, that not yet, you know. Mm -hmm. And when I read that, it was God's perfect timing. Yeah. And uh, we have celebrated that you are back together. And and she was the one to say, okay, I'm ready to do it. And, mm -hmm. uh, and David, you have two children. I was thrilled mm -hmm. your teenagers got to see mom wanting to get married and seeing uh, your faithfulness and standing for that because those kids know uh, the ups and the downs with that. Thank you for sharing that. Hi, it's Lori. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I know that we have enjoyed so much this past year and producing so many new podcasts and creating the content that I really think is resonating with so many of you. We appreciate your support in listening to the podcast and we appreciate your support um, in subscribing to receive them and sharing the episodes with other people. We have had a phenomenal response from people who have really communicated to tell us how much it means to them. As we wind down the year, I also want to make you aware of where you can donate if you would like to support the work that we do here at Rejoice Marriage Ministries. You can visit rejoiceministries.org and right on the top of that page, you can donate. Your donation, if it's being mailed, needs to be postmarked by December 31st for it to be included for your tax records in 2019. We are so thankful for all of you who give sacrificially. And we know that according to the scripture, the Bible says that your first fruits, your tithe, should go to your local church. And that is what we have always taught at Rejoice Marriage Ministries. And that's what we encourage you to do. So we understand that when you're giving to us, you're giving from above and beyond your tithe. And we appreciate that. And we look to see how God will continue to multiply the gifts that are given so we can continue to minister to people. I want to have a scripture I want to share is one that God gave me for nothing is impossible with God. Luke 1 37. And that was mm -hmm. for certain the, and it was basic black and white, short, sweet, because I didn't even know if it was even possible at that time because I divorced Bob. I listened to the pastor, listened to the counselors. And um, of course, he repented and repented and asked him on many times to, to give him another chance. And I was so self-righteous, walking with pride and how arrogance mm -hmm. that I did not even ask God. I didn't even feel, I said, God, why didn't you hit me over the head and say, yes, you know, why didn't I hear you? But I was just so self-righteous mm -hmm. that I didn't think that he should be um, in the house and not suffer a little longer or something. Don't do what I did is all my teaching is. But in Mark 11, it says um, in verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you start praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And I was just talking to somebody 
recently and they're um, working on restoration. And she was saying all the wrongs of, of her husband. And I finally said, you're not walking in unconditional love. You're not loving her as, you know, First Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. And you're not um, walking in forgiveness. How many times should I forgive my spouse? And, you know, not seven times, but 70 times, you know, and, and that's Matthew 18. So I just applaud your testimonies. I want to ask a question before we get too far off, going back to both of your testimonies is, so you both shared how God kind of exposed you to the idea of praying for marriage restoration. And you both had a long journey and, and have been in a long journey. It wasn't like it was two months and, and things turned around. And so can you both speak to the the journey that you've been on? I know, um, Jim, you started to just speak to it where God transformed you. Um, but did you waver, Jim, have you wavered in your stand saying this is too hard? I can't do it. And David, did you waver when you, you know, waited for so many years and you would kind of see breadcrumbs of hope, but then she would not want to have restoration happen. So did just speak a little bit about mm-hmm. um, where your faith was through the, through the ups and downs of standing, because it's not easy to stand for restoration when mm-hmm. somebody's rejecting you. We, we realize that. Mm-hmm. I'll go first. That it's, uh, it's interesting. It's a great question. Um, have, have you wavered? The, the crazy part about this is when I surrendered in 2012, um, my wife left in January of 2012, and in the, the 10 days I was locked into a hotel was February of that same year. So it was basically a few weeks later. It was the first and second week of February. And in that time, I, when I say I surrendered, I was face down on the floor in this hotel room going, okay, Lord, here's the scripture. Please speak to me through scripture. And really what I was looking for was red letters. Um, I wanted to know this Jesus guy, what he spoke about when it came to separation, divorce, and remarriage. Because if that was happening to me, which it was, I needed to know what the loopholes were and was I was I going to be you know of, you know offending or affecting my future with him um and so that was that became critically important to me and so when I started reading scripture and I found out what he said in his word and if you don't mind I am going to I'm going to read mm-hmm. um Matthew 19, and I read from New King James. Um, This is where the Pharisees came to Jesus and tried to trip him up and asked him, um, you know, what's what's the deal when it comes to divorce? And and they said to him, um, the Pharisees came to him, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered them saying, have you not read? So first off right there, I'm like, okay, why is he asking them that? Because they were scholars and so was he. And I mean, they knew what he said, right? And so he answered them saying, have you not read he who made them in the beginning made them male and female? And he said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, which is what you spoke about, Charlene. Mm-hmm. So then they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. So there it is. That was the first part where I was like, well, that's it. Man's not supposed to separate, you know, at all from his 
spouse, this covenant spouse. I didn't even understand covenant at this time. And then they came to him again and said to him, well, Moses, you know, allowed us to give him a certificate of divorce. And he says, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife. So here's this exception clause, right? Except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And I was like, wait a minute. How is it possible that if you're committing sexual immorality, that that's not adultery? So there must be two contradistinctive terms here. And then marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her, who also is divorced, commits adultery. And so I started spinning and, and being from a Catholic background, I've never heard a priest speak on what Jesus actually said about separation, divorce, and remarriage. So right from the very beginning, Charlene, point to the question of Lori, have you ever wavered? I was grounded at that moment in concrete. Mm-hmm. I knew that God had had this happen in my life for a purpose And I knew at that moment that I was to stand no matter what. I have never wavered in this length of time from, and it was really not because of my love and passion for my wife any longer, but the love and the passion that I was now starting to feel from a God who absolutely adored me to give me concrete, solid information. I'm I'm in the construction business and we always use benchmarks in the construction business to to give us a stronghold, to give us a point of reference. And that was like a point of reference for me. And then when I read on and the and when I, I continued to read this and then he says to his disciples, you know, his disciples came to him, I think, later in the upper room and said, if such a case between a man and his wife, it's better to not marry. And so Jesus, right. in his in his beautiful way of answering things, he says, all cannot accept these sayings of mine, but only those to whom it's been given. And I, and I, in my Bible, those is italicized. So who are those? It's us. It's believers. And then he says this, for there are eunuchs who were born eunuchs from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And I looked at that and I thought, that's me. And then he says this, he says, all, no, he says, and who is able to accept it, let him accept it. And I, and I didn't see it as an option. I knew that I had to accept this, that if my wife was leaving, that I was to remain a eunuch in the eyes for the, for the kingdom of heaven's sake, because every knee shall bow. And I read that much later on Philippians two, Every knee shall bow. So we're we're accountable to Jesus. Right. He's the King of Kings. And so when I go before him and I read this and I understood this, and I the Holy Spirit just like brought it out to me what it was really being said here, I knew that I couldn't look at Jesus one day and go, Oh yeah, I read it, but you know, and I needed him to look upon me and go, Hey, you you really got it. Come on in, you know. But let me ask you a question that I know the answer to because we know you, but has every day been easy? Oh, <laughs> David kind of mentioned it. Uh, no, no, absolutely not. Every day has yeah. not been easy. It's uh, And just recently, as a matter of fact, Lori asked Dave and I to pray about this session that we were having. And um, right at that moment when I read that email, you know, you guys need to be praying about this. I started being attacked. My heart started to become hardened over some correspondence that our children have us in a text string together. Uh, My wife 
maybe unlike David, because he had young children, we have our children are, are grown adults. And so there's no communication at all from my wife um, for the last, you know, um, we're in our ninth year here. Um, and the small communication that I have presented, um, it's always been shut down, you know, very don't stop, stop communicating, mm-hmm. stop, you know, sending me these text messages or whatever it is. And so, no, it's been, it's been a battle um, of not only, you know, the hardening of the heart, but thinking, okay, her pride, God will, the, apart from God, there's absolutely no way my wife will ever come back. And, and that I believe to be true without salvation, without my wife turning the way that I've turned without my wife actually Mm -hmm. going 180 degrees in the opposite direction. And I think we, we all know this, uh, there's no way restoration can happen, Mm -hmm. but the simple gospel is forgiveness of our sins strictly for the purpose of reconciliation. God wants us to reconcile here on this planet that he created so that we understand the trueness of the relationship that he has with us. And so I, that's my prayer. Yeah. It's been tough. I mean, I've had, I've had weeks sometimes where, you know, I just can't believe my life. You know, I can't believe this is what's going on. But then I'm grounded knowing that God's plan, my, I have a life verse and it's Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. And for those who don't know it, it's um, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than the heavens and nor are my thoughts, your thoughts. Um, and so, I, you know, I just paraphrase that whole thing. But that grounds me every time I think about that verse. I know that his ways are not mine just because I want it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. You know. David, did you waver in your um, stand when you came to the realization and understanding of what it was? Did you have those days where you wavered? Well, I think I, I think I always felt that I was supposed to be standing for my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly there was times where, you know, I wished for a way out. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't really see a way out. I mean, as I was looking into what what I saw the Bible saying about it, uh, it, it seemed like a, a pretty clear directive towards me that God was speaking um, to me to stand. And, uh, and so I, I took that for what I thought it was. Uh, this is what I'm supposed to do. But I, I, I certainly, yeah, wish there was uh, loopholes. <laughs> Uh, at times, and and um, and there was certainly a, at the beginning there was, uh, you know, I, I understand the the face down on the floor comment Jim made because that's very real, and and uh, you know I was maybe fortunate enough at times to have some good male friends who I could call and and uh, they knew what I was going through and and they were believers and they talked to me and and encouraged me not all of my friends were encouraging me the way that I think they should have. I mean, some of them, quite honestly, most of them probably didn't get it. Um, Some of them almost, I would say actively told me to move on, but some version of that came from some, you know, very maybe well-intentioned friends who were just, you know, not on the same page. Um, but early on, there were times, too, where, you know, uh, it was one of those face down on the floor moments. And he, he, even the friend 
who I'd want to call um, just to have someone to talk to, you know, wasn't answering the phone that night. And so I think there's definitely times where God meant it to be me face down on the floor. And uh, I don't think it was, it's quite a, the, the cleanest analogy, but the, the, you know, there's that scene in the Old Testament where Nebuchadnezzar is uh, talking about how, you know, great this is, you know, the Babylon that I have created by the might of my own hands or whatever. And then, you know, boom, you know, that's the end of that for a while. And he's, you know, has no place to go but to look up because he is down on his fate, on his version of the hotel floor or whatever, you know, and that's, um, I, I've come to believe that really everyone has to have their face down on the floor moment of whatever version it is for them to, to really draw one closer to God. And, uh, and so for that, I think most standards end up really appreciating how thankful they are, no matter, you know, how much we like it to not have happened or be a really short stand. Uh, we, um, I, I think everyone I've heard, you know, really realizes that, you know, that's what helped draw me closer to God. And that's certainly the case for me. Amen. Um, so, you know, there's, I, I had a lot of encouragement over the years um, from, you know, the verses that are a lot of Charlene's favorites, you know, quickly become the favorites of most people who stand and, uh, so and uh, follow, um, Rejoice Marriage Ministries. Um, one one verse that I did have the the pastor asked, you know, if we wanted to share any verses um, uh, when we were remarried this uh, past January. And the the one I, I won't say this is necessarily more special than all the others, but but one that always sort of stuck with me was a set of verses in Ezekiel thirty six, which uh, if you if you read from verse 33 or 34 this is the new international version this is the set of verses that says uh you know on the day i cleanse you from all your sins i will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt the desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it they will say this land that was laid waste and so i really saw that as you know that's the imagery of course of the you know, our marriage having been laid waste, that this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that were, that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. And that's through verse 36. And so that's that one, uh, among many others, is one that um, I held on to and so would pray that, you know, more than maybe some. But um, uh, and there's certainly times where, you know, I, I stayed closer in my walk with God and then, you know, maybe through laziness or weariness or whatever, then you go away and then you kind of, you know, something happens, maybe a not so pleasant exchange or or, you know, something just triggers uh, you kind of going, you know, into a, 
uh, a stage where you realize, oh, you know, I've sort of, you know, lost focus on on my on what I'm standing for, and so, so yeah, it's um, you know, there's cycles to all this stuff. It's 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 tough to, it's tough to run steady consistently all the time uh the same but uh but god's you know doing a work through it all and trying to you know show us um his better plan for for our walk with him and uh you know this marriage relationship is something so close to his heart that it offers i think very special way for him to show us um what his love for us um and his love for the church, his his people, is is to look like. So, am I correct in understanding then that for both of you, it was more about your relationship with Christ than it actually was your relationship with your wife? Oh, certainly. I mean, this. Yeah. I think if I think for me, you know, it was it was my marriage falling apart that helped me realize where I was sort of. Uh, trying to write the story of my relationship with God the way I wanted it to be on, you know, my conditions or, and that's maybe that was my version of religion is I'm going to do it this way. And, and, and all that. So, uh, so yeah, God certainly used that to show me that, you know, he, and I think this was the issue for me with the, Oh, I thought this maybe was going to be a short stand. And then it turned into, you know, a, 10 year plus sort of thing is that I, you know, you get to the point where you really have to let go and say, I, I don't know. I mean, I think this is what God's calling me to do, but I don't know how this will look. I don't know when this will look or whatever the, uh, you know, it's just until I got to that place, I realized it was me still trying to control Control, how that, right. How, the, how that whole process would play out. You know, I, I would have my script and, you know, this is how mm-hmm. it's supposed to happen. And, and, uh, Jim, what would you say to a person who says, what happens if my spouse never comes back? That's a great question. I think long-term standers, I think standers who've had a long stand struggle with that question. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, um, you know, the initial shock of my wife leaving because she was an idol in my life, I mean, I literally idolized this woman. Uh, it took quite a number of years for me to realize that it wasn't about my relationship with her so much as it was that I was so far off track with God the Father. Um, it took his son to open up, literally open up his word and just absorbing, you know, having it saturate my life in such a way that there's no turning back from it. Once you really start to study what God's plan was, and David alluded to Christ and his church. I mean, it's it's the bridegroom and the bride and that reference. But I think you have to go back to, again, Nebuchadnezzar uh, with the fiery furnace. And, uh, and that's where I always, I'm grounded by that. Even if my wife does not return, it does not change my relationship with my God. And it does not change Mm -hmm. my accountability for what I know to be truth um, Mm -hmm. because of the benchmarks that he's laid before me. Mm -hmm. On that day, every knee shall bow. On that day, I want to be looked upon 
at a different level of accountability than I had prior. Because uh, you can't turn back. I mean, there's just no way once you've understood his word and and the impact in your own life for mm-hmm. what he can do to change a human being. I, I'm a totally different human being than I was. Mm-hmm. And I think, David, you can probably attest to that mm-hmm. as well, it sounds like. But um, And it's because of what he's allowed to take place in our family's life. And I wouldn't change a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the price. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we have two children that are both about to be married. They're both engaged. But what it's done for them has really grounded the two of them to understand that, oh, marriage is very significant. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to have happened in our marriages mm-hmm. what's happened in mom and dad's marriage. And we need conversation about this. And we've had very open, intimate conversations about marriage and what. So I have a daughter who's a non-believer and I have a son who's uh, our son is full time fellowship of Christian athletes. And that happened because he was saved because his parents had split up. Um, and so, so much fruit has come from, um, you know, the, the chaos that we, what we see as chaos, God sees as a way to, to recenter us, you know? So for that person that says, what if my wife doesn't return or what if my husband doesn't ever return? I mean, there are days when I feel like that, but I still feel as though even if, this relationship that I have with this vertical relationship, nothing's going to ever replace that, you know? I have to say that the Lord said to me and questioned me in ways that if Bob never comes home, you know, and he would say, I'm getting married and I'm never coming back, write it down. I'm, and he would keep calling and saying it over and over again. I just want to make sure you know I'm never coming back. And I said, that's all right. I'm going to be waiting forever in the rocking chair. And I had to keep saying that to him. Mm. And I had to say it to myself. And I said, Lord, I don't care how long it is. And I went to his parents, which my parents were deceased. And I said, I know Bob is planning and wants to get remarried and with someone else. And I said, but I'm going to tell you, I'm always going to be single and I live right down the street from them. And I said, I will never remarry. So you can come down or whatever, but, and the kids can go back back and forth, but I just want to know you're the grandparents. And uh, that's what I kept restating over and over because Bob wanted me to go find somebody to take the guilt and the shame off of him and that I went on with my life. And, um, and he, he kept saying that, go on and get married, find somebody else, you know, um, you, you deserve it. And uh, the Lord had spoken so strongly through Ezekiel. And even in Ezekiel 37, when you open up the Bible and read Ezekiel 36, go into the dead bones of, of Ezekiel 37. Because God took me there and he said, your marriage is got dead bones. It is dead, but I'm going to breathe new life into it. And that's what he said. My breath is going to breathe new life into the dead bones. And that is what is uh, so important that was God was saying, don't give up by the circumstances. And that's what we want to say in what you've been saying tonight. 
Don't worry about how long it's been, the mm -hmm. number of years it's been. It doesn't matter in God's eyes. It matters only that we're faithful and mm -hmm. standing and keep doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And and people don't understand the commitment to a marriage when somebody may have been unfaithful. But we're teaching and we're a lighthouse to show about the covenant and the permanence of marriage. Right. And that is what my goal is. Every day mm -hmm. is, is the permanence of marriage. Mm -hmm. We didn't marry when I said I do, I married for life till mm -hmm. death do us part. And that's what we want to say to our standards every day. If you will look and remember your wedding vows, that will make it so much easier for you because your spouse is taking a detour road, but God is going to bring them back. The Lord's going to bring them back. Mm -hmm. And I always think of Jesus just grabbing them or Bob, as Bob said, how many um, times God spoke to him to go home and he disobeyed mm. and, and, and rebelled. And, and, but, but the Lord didn't give up. And that's what we want to emphasize is standing is for a lifetime for your marriage mm. to be permanent until um, we go home with the Lord. And I made that, I finally said, okay, I don't care uh, how long it is. Once you take that off the table and, and don't let people bug you that there's somebody better down the road or somebody they want you to meet or date. I had my doctors wanting me to meet and date the doctors that they had already lined up. And I said, I don't want another uh, man that's already been married. I'm sorry. I want my husband back. Yeah, and uh, exactly. When we talk to our local um, men that are in our area and we meet with them, they are transparent about the struggles that they face as they're waiting and waiting for um, their wives to come home and staying away from pornography and staying away from the the dating game and the what ifs game. And maybe I'll just talk to this woman from work for a little while talking to people on social media, talking to people online, like reconnecting with that old girlfriend from high school. And what would you um, say to was a tool that's helping you has helped you to go through that? Or what did you do on the days when that was a struggle for you as well? Well, so I, I would say, and I didn't always have this, but I would say having, you know, a guy you could be transparent with and a accountable to uh would always that was always something that would help me the most because i knew if i knew someone was going to ask about you know my purity a great idea and, you know then that i want to say it would guilt me into trying to you know stay away from what i shouldn't be a part of but but right. you know it did but you know it, you know there's a good function to the guilt too if it's guilt from doing you know something or or kind of going down a road you shouldn't be going down and so um so i'd encourage you know the male standards not to be isolated from other um male relationships that are deep enough to where they can you know because all, all i mean i think all guys sort of know what guys may struggle with and so right. it's not i don't think it's that complicated to, 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 to realize that, uh, we can all relate on those, uh, issues. And, and so, you know, if we're, we're trying to 
you know, s- stay pure and stuff, then just, you know, it's as, it's as simple as kind of connecting every few days to just kind of see how things have been. And, and that that's what helped me at least. That's a great idea. And you might not have people knocking your door down saying, Hey, I want to be mm-hmm. your accountability partner, but if you're listening to this, you can, you know, see in your church or in your Bible study, a person who, who you feel like has a right relationship with the Lord and is winning and having victories in their life and ask them, would you be willing to be my accountability partner? Would you be willing to check in on me and help me in these areas? I I think that's a great idea. Let me also add, um, Bob has talked about this uh, situation frequently when he was alive because he knew that is a big temptation for men especially. And and as he always said to me, you'll never understand a man is different. And the thought that I have is consider getting a couple that you see are older, that are godly, uh, Christ-like couple, and ask them to be your prayer partners, uh, uh, prayer warriors, Mm -hmm. but also ask the man if he would be your accountability partner regarding this. Mm-hmm. And um, and it it really, we had, have had several in the past years that have been tremendous that have helped them out through that. And I recommend an older couple for women and men uh, to find somebody that has had a strong marriage. They'll, they're going to tell you they had trials and tribulations. There's nobody that's not going to mm-hmm. say that but they're, they've succeeded. So I, I encourage you to find at least one couple, maybe you'll find two couples that will be your uh, prayer warriors for you and then find one, especially the men, uh, that will one of the men would be the one that, and pray about it, pray mm-hmm. about it because God will lead you to the right person often mm-hmm. most likely and show you who he has already ordained for this particular assignment for you. Well, David, we know you're in the early, early days of restoration, and we talk about it often here, and we lived it in our own home. Um, The first night of restoration, when my dad sat on the side of the bed and said, oh, goodness, what have I done? after they remarried that afternoon. And so we know that um, just as you, when you first get married, many people go through premarital counseling and there's, there's a journey. And we know that you are on the journey that you've been praying for, but we know that it is just that it's a journey to healing, to full restoration. And um, one of the things that we'll tell you and remind you of, and I know that you know this because you've talked to my mom about it, but we'll tell all the people that are listening is never give up praying for your marriage. Mm. When you hit restoration, you can't just say, oh, take a deep breath and think we made it. We're, we're here and we can let up on those prayers and we can let up on battling the enemy because he'll be trying harder than ever to destroy what God has brought back together. And so we're going to be praying for you. Um, I know that it's an exciting yeah. time and uh, a lot of changes, right? <laughs> Yeah, and I I appreciate that because it's a it's a good reminder to me also because you know yeah. the, there's a, there's a certain sort of second honeymoon phase where everything right. sort right. of seems to swell too yeah. and uh, and uh, I guess it's good to keep that imagery in mind that the enemy is sort of dr- drawing up new battle plans right. and 
scheming right. and and all of that. So thanks for that. Thanks for the reminder. Once and a they, always a stander. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Once it's, yeah. that's right. Once it's a, truth. always a stander forever. Yeah. Well, as we close, would you all be willing to um, close us out in prayer? And if you're willing, maybe David, you could pray for um, the couples who are working through restoration and the restored marriages. And Jim, maybe you can pray for the prodigals who are um, out there, that God would just go after them, that their hearts would be softened and, and that they would just be sensitive to things of the Lord. Do you want to start praying for us, David? Sure. Thank you. Yeah. Lord, we uh, thank you so much for being able to rely on you for our strength in our time of trouble. And if we're listening to this podcast, we, we probably all know that uh, marriage troubles really are a time of trouble. And I know you have a great plan for every marriage out there. And uh, I just uh, want to pray a great blessing over uh, all marriages and I especially lift up uh, standers who are crying out to you for help in their time of trouble. And I thank you for the work that you're doing in all these marriages. And thank you for those who are, are on that perhaps final stage of the path of restoration where they can maybe see a light at the end of the tunnel. You've shown them a, a glimpse of what's on the other side of the mountain uh, they 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 can feel the the winds changing and uh, I just pray Lord that you would uh, you would bless these restoring marriages in process of re- being restored bless them greatly and do not let the enemy um, come in and disturb the work that you're doing uh, we know you your word says that that uh, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, every work of the enemy is destroyed. And you declare this on the cross, that it is finished. And we know that uh, you don't uh, do things halfway. Uh, when you accomplish something, it is, it is accomplished. And it doesn't mean there's not a process, both before and after, but uh, we, we just want to speak... Uh, in agreement with what has already been declared in the heavenlies and just ask that you would release uh, your armies of angels to bring forth your will for these marriages uh, being restored and uh, being worked on and marriages with with believers uh, crying out for your touch on them and so thank you so much for uh, for those who stand for marriage healing, and thank you so much for ministries that support people standing for what uh, is so close to your heart. And uh, just we pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm. Father God, we just come to you. Um, you say we're two or more gathered, but I know that there are times in my life where I wonder if you just listen to the one, and uh, especially when it comes to our prodigals, um, as husbands, our wives are out there, and in a case like mine where there's no communication, there's no visibility of any of a of a heart being softened in any way. Um, but to be faithful, you ask us to uh, 
have the fruit of faithfulness and that really is leaning more into you. Um, sometimes your voice is just a small whisper and that just means we need to lean even closer to know that you are chasing down our prodigals. Um, it says in scripture that you leave the 99 to go after the one. And so that should be a powerful statement to us as standers to know that you are seeking out our prodigals uh, as we sit here and, and speak about it, uh, that you're chasing them with the hounds of heaven. Um, God, allow their hearts to be softened and replaced um, their hearts of stone with heart of flesh. Um, it's, it's challenging for us as standers to maybe not have any ounce of communication, but to but to just rest and surrender and knowing that you are in this. There's a plan and a purpose. Um, and you've shown that your son Jesus as the bridegroom and the church being your bride, the relationship in that marriage and how significant that it is that we are to not give up. We should only give up when Jesus actually gives up on his church, which will never happen. He will never leave us nor forsake us. And so the strength and power that that carries all by itself should be enough for us to know that you are chasing down our prodigals. Um, and for those who are just way deep in the far country that uh, it looks like their lives are just clicking along and everything is rosy, Lord, we know that uh, you are tugging on their heartstrings to do the righteous thing, to come back into the fold of their family to accept, um, you know, what you say in your word and not what the enemy is tempting them with. God, we just pray for all of our prodigals, our wives, our, our husbands, um, that they turn and repent and uh, first recognize your son Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And in doing so, they will be changed. Their hearts um, will be renewed through through their mind um, and it's only through your word that that can happen and through the spirit speaking into their lives and so lord we just lay them at your feet as a sacrifice um, in our own personal lives and allow you to do what you will what your will is to be done in their lives and uh, we just pray all this and ask all this in your son's precious name jesus christ our lord and savior amen and lord i just pray i praise you and thank you for tonight I thank you for Jim and and David being so transparent. Lord, I pray for all the standers that have, are going to hear this, that you would touch and open their spiritual eyes and ears, soften their heart of stone, and may they love their spouses unconditionally <laughs> as you love them. And may our standers forgive every day their spouse who is living in uh, sin or living in a far country or not understanding or wanting to restore the marriage, may we forgive them each and every day and trust you that you are going to speak to them in a hundred different ways, as Bob said, and that you will never give up on them to restore and rebuild this marriage on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we are just going to ask that you will just move around the world to standards who are getting weary, tired, or are being tempted to date. And we're asking you to have them hear this podcast to be, make a new commitment to stand forever for the 
sanctity of marriage, for the permanence of marriage, until death do us part. And may we make that commitment and may we pray without ceasing. And, and may they learn to use the different tools of fasting and praying and, and interceding and praying scriptures and the variety of weapons that you've given us, Father. The armor of God, putting it on our family members and ourselves each and every day. Lord, may you equip us to stand firm until you bring the prodigal stander or the husband or wife, whichever one needs to move home, to come home and open the doors wide to receive and restore a family that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But you are greater and you are going to rebuild this marriage because you created the sanctity of marriage and you, what you built and, and created with Adam and Eve, it was good and there's no other solution. And we will just give you the praise and the glory for how many other people will learn about praying and not giving up. And even if they got divorced as I did, will they make a new commitment and understand that we need to fight and pray for our marriages, regardless if we're divorced or not, because God can change everything in his mighty power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages.